Sports Talk New York with your hosts, Mark Rosenman and A.J. Carter. Sports Talk New York is sponsored in part by Prince Associates for all your insurance needs, the Phoenix Tube Company, the law firm of Declator Cohen and DePrisco, Solomon Jewelers, and General Needs Charity, serving our homeless veterans with dignity. And now, here are your hosts, Mark and A.J. Joining us now is a man who began his career at the age of two years old when he appeared as a child model for a department store ad. Soon after that, he starred in a commercial for Pet Milk opposite legendary vaudeville actor Ed Wynn. His early movies included This Is My Love, Men of the Fighting Lady, The Seven Little Foys, and Alfred Hitchcock's black com- comedy The Trouble with Harry in 1955. However, he is known from, to millions for his role in television sitcom Leave It to Beaver, originally broadcast from 1957 to 1963, in which he played Theodore Beaver Cleaver. You know what? I've said this uh, for the last week since I booked this. I've interviewed Hall of Famers, you know, athletes, you know, Oscar winners, Tony winners. I don't think I've ever been more thrilled to welcome a guest to Sports Talk uh, because it is my childhood. It is a pleasure and a thrill to welcome the one and only Jerry Mathers to Sports Talk New York. Welcome, Jerry. Uh, Thank you very very much, Mark. That was, I I don't know what to say. You You definitely humbled me. You know, it's funny because during this pandemic, um, right before the pandemic started, uh, my wife and myself, we, we picked up a puppy. And uh, part of my morning ritual with the puppy is from 8 to 9 on MeTV watching Leave it to Beaver. So, so you have a fan in, in a, a, a sheep-a-doodle right now as well. So, uh, you know, that's, that, that's funny because one of the things, and it, w- it was a cost thing, is the Cleavers never had for maybe one show, like one show I won an alligator at a, a carnival, but they could never have a, a pet because they didn't want to pay the extra money to have to have a trainer there with it. So you watch the Cleavers never got to have a dog or a cat. Yeah, but you did have, interact with Gus's dog at the firehouse for sure. <laughs> so, Very definitely. So, you know, I've done a lot of interviews over the years, but I don't think any of them... Um, any of the people I interviewed started their careers at two years old. How did that first modeling job come about? Well, I honestly don't remember it real well. I mean, I did a lot of that. My mom just happened to be walking through a department store, and she was looking for clothes for me. I was actually a little under two, and um, I was kind of wandering around, and she didn't have her eyes exactly on me. The lady came up to her and said, is that your son? And she went, oh, no. She said, what did he break? Whatever it was, did he wreck something? I'll pay for it. And the lady said, no. But I've been watching you, been trying the clothes on him, and he fits all our clothes perfectly. And the little boy that was wearing these clothes, I guess it was two to whatever age, um, has outgrown them. And I was wondering if he could be a model. And my mom kind of went, oh, this is a big city. This is probably some kind of a catch. What's the catch? And the lady said, no, there's no catch. But, you know, he could keep one of the outfits that he wears, wore, and uh, we would pay him. My mom said he could do that. So I started it on modeling. But what happened then was, at that time, live TV was just happening. In New York, they could go to the New York stage and get people that were used to working in front of an audience because all the live TV shows had audiences. In California, uh, everybody worked on, if it was TV or they didn't really have movies especially, have any audience. So they wanted a child that had worked in front of an audience, and I fit the bill, so I started working all the time. At two years old, on the Edwin show, would walk out with a bottle, and I would, they told me, and I met him, and he was a very nice man. They said, just start pulling on his coat and say it's time for commercial. 
He'll tell you to go away. Just stay there. And he, then all of a sudden you go, okay, I'll do a commercial. And that's all I had to do. I started that. Once I did it right, I worked all the time. It's amazing. You mentioned Edwin, who is a, a huge name in the business, but you also work with Spike Jones and Bob Hope. Those are, are some really big names. What do you recall about working with those three, as well as the day that Bob Hope actually saved your life? Well, Spike Jones is just a really nice guy. Um, he was a musician and used to uh, do a lot of stuff with uh, all sorts of different instruments. I don't know how many he played, but he was always fooling around, and we would you know, sing little songs and things like that. Um, so that was a lot of fun. Um, and what was the other one you want? You wanted, uh, what? Bob Hope. Bob Hope. The day he yeah, actually Bob saved Hope. your life. <laughs> right. He saved my life. I worked with him two times. Um, but the one time he saved my life, I was in a, uh, show called, uh, it was about the seven little boys and it was called the seven little boys. And it was about a vaudevillian. And one of the things he was famous for, they had a big fire at the, I think it was the Iroquois theater in Chicago in real life, and he had saved everybody in the theater because at that time, because of the candles to light the stages, they had a lot of fires, and a lot of times if they did, people would be trampled as they tried to escape the theater. And he got up and said, nobody runs out on Eddie Foy and danced, and everybody got out safe. Well, when we went to shoot that scene, I was supposed to be sitting up in a kind of a balcony right off the stage, and um, then they were going to put in a stunt double but the very first time we did it, they put too much gasoline on the curtains. It started the fire, but the stunt double couldn't get to him because of where he had been placed. And the only person that knew that he wasn't going up there was Bob Hope because he knew he was standing there. He had a funny jacket on that he was supposed to be wearing, and he knew that the guy hadn't gotten it from him. So he came up through the flames and rescued me. We had to do it again the next day, but everything went fine that time. It's an unbelievable story. You're also in an Alfred Hitchcock film, uh, The Trouble with Harry, and people who are Hitchcock aficionados might recall The Trouble with Harry. It was one of his most experimental, subversive, and uncompromisingly strange black comedy about people in a small town who can't decide what to do with a dead body. It actually was unavailable for about 30 years other than one showing on NBC Saturday Night at the movies uh, in the early 60s. It was finally reissued in 1984, it's also a movie where there was an accident on set where a, a huge camera came down. Uh, the camera weighed about 850 pounds and actually you know, hit Alfred Hitchcock and, and pinned another member of the cast on, on the ground. What do you remember about working with Alfred Hitchcock in a Hitchcock movie? That had to be something. I, I mean, you were so young, but looking back on your career, having worked in a Hitchcock movie, what was that like for you? Well, it was a very different experience. And what I mean by that is, we went to Stowe, Vermont to film for about, I think it was six weeks. So when you're on a studio set, especially if you're a child, um, you don't really get to meet the people very well. But because we we're a movie company, we would be going to lunch together because the, the, the ladies there would make these fabulous lunches. And everyone wanted to see, as we went through like a buffet line, which one, Mr. Hitchcock, who was a, uh, a, a, a foodie for sure, um, <laughs> would pick to eat. And I was, you know, a little kid, and I could run. Everybody else was, I think, a little afraid of him, but I'd run right behind him. And if he picked this kind of food or he picked that or this, I'd say, is that the one? He'd go, oh, yes, Jerry. That would be the one we should pick today. And so I got the best food ever. And I also got the best blueberry muffins that you can imagine because <laughs> those ladies, that was the big thing. It was blueberry season, 
and they were all making blueberry muffins. Whatever one he picked was the one that you should have that day. <laughs> so tell us about the audition process for Leave it to the Beaver and how the Cub Scouts actually played a vital role in you getting the part of you know, Theodore Cleaver. Well, the, the, the interview itself had about two or 2,000 people, I think, in New York, but it wasn't just for the Beaver. It was Wally, Eddie, all the different uh, cast members, all the, the, ch- the children that were going to be, or the, you know, the, not, not any of the adults. And so they went, it went on and on and on. They didn't find anybody in Los Angeles. It was, you know, what they call a cattle call. There was, we went back and back and back and we were getting re- I was getting a little tired of it because usually you went maybe once or twice. And I just joined the Cub Scouts and, um, my mom said, okay, Jerry, you know, we got called back for that, that big movie, the TV series. And I went, oh, mom, I can't go. And she said, what do you mean? I said, well, I've got my Cub Scout meeting today, so I'll have to go to that instead. She said, well, you know, we've been going to this thing for quite a while. We've gone probably, I think it was even like several weeks, not every day. And they, they've got it down to the last few kids. So I went, and when I got in there, they could see Conley and Mosier, who were the producers uh, of the show, saw that I was, you know, not agitated, but I was really antsy. They said, what's wrong, Jerry? And I said, well, I really don't want to be here. I'm going to be late for my Cub Scout meeting, and I hate to be late to anything. They said, okay, you can go. So I walked right in and walked right out. My mom said, and the other kids that had gone before me had been in there, you know, 10, 15, maybe 20 minutes. My mom said, what happened? I said, well, they asked me if I wanted to be there. I said, no. So they said I could leave. My mom went, "Uh, Jerry, we spent a lot of time here. That probably wasn't the best thing. But I said, yeah, but I need to go to my Cub Scout meeting. So I went. They called that night, said I had the job because they'd rather have a little guy that wanted to go to a Cub Scout meeting than be an actor. So that's actually how I won the job. <laughs> it's unbelievable. So you mentioned Conley and Moser, uh, which is uh, Leave it to Beaver was their creation. They also had a, a series called Ichabod and Me, which was earlier than Leave it to Beaver. And your brother Jimmy was in that. How much do you think the familiarity with your family also played into the fact of, of you getting the role? Oh, very definitely. But, you know, he would come every once in a while, like during the summers and stuff, just to see me, uh, you know, working. It wasn't a big thing. It was just kind of a treat for him. And, you know, uh, my dad, who was a, a vice principal, he retired as a superintendent, but was a vice principal of schools at the time, would bring him during the summer sometime, and he'd watch me work. And he, he also did several movies. I don't, he did one uh, series called Ichabod Me, but it only ran for about a year. But uh, so, you know, I came from a family where there was... Um, a couple of working actors, and it was just, you know, it was a fun time, and everything worked out great. You know, it's interesting. The, uh, well, before I go to that, did you, have you and your brother ever appeared in anything together? I don't think so. I mean, we've, uh, you know, a lot of times, he runs uh, something called the Digital Cinema Society, which is a thing for cameramen, because that's what he does now. He's a, a camera operator. He's also a producer and does movies, but... Uh, he does the Digital Cinema Society, so, but uh, we were always um, very close. I also have a sister, Susie, and then two other brothers, but my other two brothers are both uh, uh, sheriffs, so uh, I, we didn't follow in there. They didn't follow in my path, and I didn't follow in theirs. 
I find that interesting that I, I couldn't find any you know, roles where you guys were both in, in the same movie or TV show. Um, so the pilot for Leave it to Beaver was called It's a Small World. It had Barbara Billingsley as your mom. It had Casey right. Adams as your dad, Paul Sullivan as Wally. Uh, both Adams and Sullivan were replaced when the show was picked up as a series. And I don't know if it's just me and all the years of watching the show, but I actually went back and I watched the pilot. And for me, the chemistry just was not the same. How vital do you think Tony and you were to the ultimate success of the show? Oh, I think they were very, very, uh, they were you know, very good characters. I always thought Hugh Beaumont was an excellent choice. Um, he was an actor before. He did a, a lot. He didn't do a series, but he did a lot of movies. But what he really was was a Methodist minister. And um, he, to be able to support his congregation, which was down in the worst part of L.A., and it was basically people that were pretty much uh, living on the streets there, he became an actor because he could, he could work, go down and do his ministry, and kind of work part-time. And when he did leave it to Beaver, he didn't have quite as much time. But he was just a wonderful man. And, he, you know, I think when he talked to me and when I'd done something wrong on the show, it was kind of like, you know, that minister in him came out. Barbara Billingsley was just the most beautiful person you'd ever want to meet. She was a, a, a very, very, one of the high people in New York as a model. She was a New York model and moved, moved out here because her husband, who was a doctor, came out here and then started doing TV and movies. And so that's how she, we got her. And it was just, you know, everybody on the set was just nice. And we just had, I had a wonderful time and everybody else did. You know, it's interesting you mentioned Barbara Billingsley, because if you watch the pilot, her character really evolved from that pilot to what she was actually in the series. And people, you know, kind of, you know, lampoon the fact that this was this woman who was always in pearls and a dress cleaning the house. But if you go back and watch it, um, you know, she might not have been the prototypical housewife of the 50s, because you listen to the show, and she is much deeper than that. She talks about her college education, um, and, and she was pretty progressive for the times. When you go back and watch that, does your recollection of the show change at all? Not for me. I think the funniest part was people, one of the things they really complained about is when she's doing all the housework, a lot of times she's wearing high heels. <laughs> but the reason for that is not that she was so, you know, whatever, uh, trying to be so fancy. It was that Tony Dow and myself, as we got bigger, got bigger than her. And so they put her in these really high heels so we would still look like smaller boys. It's so cool when you go back and watch the, the pilot because television, the way it evolves, you had Richard Deacon playing a different role. Later on, he was playing Mr. Baxter, and uh, later on, obviously, he'd go to play Fred Rutherford. And Harry Shearer is actually in the pilot. Um, he plays a character which is the, the precursor to Eddie Haskell. So it's really cool if you go back and watch the, the pilot just for history's sake. Uh, sake. The show's situations were based really on experience of the writer's children. Joe Connolly based Beaver and Wally on his own sons, Eddie and Larry. Um, I mean, and Eddie and Larry were based on their friends. Connolly would take the boys out and record their conversations in his notebook, and a lot of that would end up as dialogue in the show. Did you ever meet his sons? Oh, very definitely. Uh, I mean, they honestly, uh, I lived a long way away from them, and when I was working, I was working pretty much from 9 till 6 or 8 to 5, five days a week, and on, on the weekends we you know, would do PR and different things like that, so they... I knew them. They would come like to the rap parties and things like that. Um, when all the all the crews uh, brought, you know, their their kids and a lot of times their wives and everybody. But uh, 
I knew him. He wasn't by any means, uh, you know, he didn't go to school with me. So he wasn't my best friend. But he was a very nice guy. But he was who the character was kind of based on. He, but, uh, you know, no kid could get in that much trouble. They did a lot of scouring of all sorts of different people um, to find out all things that kids did, and then they'd write it into the script. <laughs> you know, I think for my generation, Leave it to Beaver really was our childhood. The Cleaver home was pretty much portrayed as a sanctuary, a home of moral values in which love, mutual respect, and dignity were the foundation that the house was built on. But outside of the home, Beaver's friends were a combination of Charles Dickens and Mark Twain characters, always luring you into trouble, but Ward and June provided the moral compass and always saw lessons to be learned from every misadventure. Many sitcoms had similar plots, but none seemed to hold up as much as Leave it to Beaver when you watch it. Why do you think all these years later the show still stands up? Well, I think there's a couple of reasons. One of them that I would say right off the bat is they're all from real life. Now, I'm not saying that those exact things happen to, you know, uh, a kid, but the, the writers had a, a lot of kids between them, and they took them from their kids or things that other parents told them, things my mom or Tony's mom said we had done or somebody did. So they're real things. When you watch a lot of sitcoms, it's, you know, jokes and then people making up these wild stories that would never happen to a kid. But all in their, their seat, every one of the Leap to Beaver episodes was something that kids did then and they still do today. Hmm. You know, with everything we see on TV these days, people might find it hard to believe, but Leave it to Beaver actually set some precedence for the television industry. Uh, what was supposed to be the very first episode of Leave it to Beaver, Wally and Beaver set out to buy a pet alligator, it actually got pushed back a week because of where you were going to keep the alligator. Can you tell us a little bit about how Leave it to Beaver was groundbreaking in that sense? Well, I think it was a lot more than a week because what happened was at that time, um, you weren't allowed to show bathrooms. And when we bought, we, we won an alligator at a fair because our, and Warden June had told uh, Wally and the Beaver they couldn't keep a pet because they wouldn't be able to take care of it, and they'd end up taking care of it, which happens a lot of times when kids get pets. But we win it at the fair, and we sneak it home, but it's an alligator, so we kept it in the toilet. Uh, and so it was... Uh, something that had never happened before on television, especially for a family sitcom, because they didn't show bathrooms. I mean, they, you know, they, it was uh, pretty much a no-no. And when they, uh, they had censors at that time that read all of the shows, and when they saw that, they said, absolutely not. No, you can't keep, uh, the, it, even though they didn't even show the bowl, they just showed the, the top of the toilet. Uh, they said, no, no, but they finally got around them, and they just, shot the show and it played so it's the first time a bathroom was ever portrayed in a television series unbelievable can you describe a little bit of what it was like to be part of that movie and tv magic at such an early age in your life when when it was really still so new well movies weren't that new but te television yeah. very definitely was but you know it's like anything else you do as a child i had started on live tv at two years old i was on the ed Wynn show uh, every week I did commercials. So things like that, you know, it was just, it was nothing out of the ordinary for me. It was something I was very, very used to. You know, people would tell you what to do. My mom would go over the lines with me. It was just something that I, I knew other kids didn't do it. I knew I was very lucky to be doing it, but it wasn't out of the ordinary for me. When I started Leave the Beaver, 
for six years. I mean, you know, it was a great cast and a better crew. They made sure most of the crew members had families and kids at home. So it was a very, very fun time for me. You know, we mentioned it being groundbreaking in the respects about the bathroom, but you know there was such a big deal made and, and the buzz around Seinfeld um, that Kramer's first name wasn't revealed until episode 97. However, it took 234 episodes for us to find out how Beaver got his nickname. Do you recall why why Theodore actually became Beaver? Oh, I you know. They had people writing them all the time wanting to know that when they were doing the show. And I don't know how they came up with this name, but they didn't really have a good reason. So in the <laughs> end, the very last show, they came up with the idea that I couldn't say Theodore. Uh, of course, Teddy, I could have probably said. but And I said, like, Tweeter, and they thought that sounded like Theodore, but Beaver sounded more like it. That was what they wrote, so that's what we said, but it's seemed pretty ridiculous to me. <laughs> so as the show evolved, you had many shows, uh, many friends, uh, Larry Mandello, Gilbert Bates, uh, Richard Rickover, and, and Whitey um, Whitney. Was there any relationship in this series that you liked more than others, and why? Well, um, the one I got along the best with was Richard uh, Rickover. He was kind of interesting because he was on the show, but the reason he got the part not that he wasn't a great actor, is the writers of Leave to Beaver, the original where they started as writers was on Amos and Andy. And he was uh, uh, Charles Carell's, who was one of the, the writers, uh, uh, one of the people on the show, on the radio show's son. So he and I became very, very good friends. But, uh, you know, I, I didn't see a lot of those people. People think, you know, just because they were on the show, they might only be there for one day for the schoolroom scene, and it might be three or four weeks before they'd be able to come back. So, you know, I had a private tutor because I was in elementary school and Tony was in high school. He had a, a separate teacher. So, you know, it was a very different life than going to school every day. And I was working 8 to 5 or 9 to 6, uh, 39 weeks, and then we'd do PR and take a few weeks off and go back and start again for six years. I think Gilbert might have been the one that got you in the most trouble. I, I, I think back of the episode, you know, the, the, the class photo and, and the, the cup of coffee in the ad. And uh, the one uh, with Rick, Rick over, my favorite one is the jacket one. But there's just so many of those episodes with your friends that are just phenomenal. Wally had lots of friends as well. Lumpy Rutherford, Eddie Haskell were the two of the best knowns. We lost Frank, uh, Frank Bank, who played Lumpy, it's hard to believe, over seven years ago, and Ken Osmond last month. I've heard you say in interviews that Ken Osmond was probably the best actor on the show because he was quite unlike his on-screen character. Were you two good friends, and, and what can you tell us about Ken? You know, he, he was a lifelong friend. You know, well, not lifelong, but that, you know, since I was, what, seven years old. Great man, um, just, you know... As, as much as he was Eddie Haskell, he was absolutely 100% different as Ken Osmond. He was a decorated L.A. police officer, um, worked in the worst part of downtown Los Angeles, shot twice in the line of duty, and went back both times and, and then retired. And he was just, you know, the nicest person, um, loved motorcycles. He started out as a motorcycle cop. So, I mean, um, you know, every once in a while, not very often, my mom was always praying for me with those rosary breeds when I do it. But every once in a while, he'd take me for a, a, just a little spin around the studio at, at about 20 miles an hour. 
on his motorcycle because that's what he drove to work every day. But just a really nice guy and would absolutely do anything for you. Very handy. And if something would break at my house, I'd ask him uh, when I did the new leave to Beaver and we were adults, you know, how do I fix this? And he'd go, what's wrong? I'd tell it to him. The next day, he'd show up at my house with all the parts and say, well, you couldn't do this. I'm going to help you and show you. He wouldn't do it, but he'd show me how to do it. Hmm. Just the nicest person you'd ever want to meet. It's such an iconic character as well. So after 234 episodes, the initial run of Lever to Beaver ends. Do you remember what the feeling of that last uh, episode was, filming it, knowing that, you know, this was coming to an end? You know, it's probably like people that were going to school and you went from elementary school to high school. Uh, but we knew that we would be like a whole group of us going to the same high school. It was like, you know, maybe a private school where everybody went to a different school. But, uh, you know, we were all very good friends. We'd been there for six years for basically 39 weeks, you know, in a, in a, and it wasn't just the people on the show, it was the crew, you know, it was just a lot of friends that suddenly you, and every year we didn't know if it'd be our last year. So it, every year when we left, we felt that, you know, that might be the last one. We kept getting called back. We were hoping on the sixth year we would, but, uh, it just didn't happen, and uh, we all went our separate ways. We all remained friends, but, you know, it's just like probably leaving high school or college where you've got a lot of friends, and then you leave. You know, it's interesting also, you know, the popularity of the show, but you somehow, someone in your family, had the foresight to make sure you were the first child actor um, to get a percentage of the merchandising revenue from a television show. Um, what was the biggest Leave it to Beaver item that sold back in the day? And are you surprised that the show still generates merchandise revenue today, many, many years after its original production run? Um, no, because it's never been off the air, and it doesn't <laughs> even show here. It shows in all these different countries all over the world. Uh, the merchandising, you know, is just books and hats and uh, T-shirts and just, you know, things that Wally and, and the Beaver wore. Now, the T-shirts have... Uh, some of them have Tony's picture and some of them have mine. But, you know, it was just a lot of different things like that. Uh, and also the merchandising included if we've got any commercials, because a lot of times the different sponsors of the show or people that didn't even sponsor the show would want us to do ads and things like that. So, but, you know, it was a great time. Um, you know, it was something that we did it for six years, and I had the best time of my life. I really missed it when I left it. But, you know, I moved on and went to... Uh, you know, on to other things, but it was a very, very good time, and just a lot of friends. It's like leaving, you know, elementary school, and you go on to a different college where you don't see all the people that you knew every day for that many years. You know, after you mentioned it, you know, went on to do some other roles, and you had some roles in some pretty iconic shows as well, Lassie, Batman, My Three Sons. How difficult was it initially, right after that Leave it to Beaver run, to get cast, you know, obviously you're known to the whole world as Theodore Cleaver. How difficult was it getting those new roles? You know, it, honestly, it wasn't that difficult, but the reason was I really didn't go out for uh, a lot of those roles because what I did was go to high school. Now, I had never been in school with any other kids. I'd had a private tutor uh, since I was in uh, the first grade with Leave it to Beaver, and so I went on to... Um, high school, I played sports, I was on the football team and the track team, and, you know, people knew the show, uh, kids around me, but there was, you know, other people that had parents or had been actors, so it was just, uh, you know, it was something that was fun, it was like a big jump to go to high school, though, 
so, but a lot of people, when they went from elementary school to high school, it was probably just as big a jump for them. It was a little bit more for me because I'd never been in class with other kids. But it was just something that, you know, I knew it would come to an end. It did, and I moved on. No, it's also interesting. We mentioned about all these groundbreaking things that you guys actually did. Another one is we see it just recently. The Karate Kid now has has taken the Karate Kid story. Fast forward it, you know, thirty years forward, and all the same people are in the the Cobra Kai series. So it's thirty years in in the future. You guys did that with the new Leave It to Beaver. So what was that like? Reprising your roles as adults, you know, together with mostly everyone, with the exception of you. I mean, you, uh, Beaumont, yeah. <laughs> not yeah, you. Yeah, you, Beaumont, right. <laughs> now, it, it was just really fun because we I, we did get a lot of even the crew members back. And, you know, so it would be like, you know, your first day of, of you know, uh, elementary school. And then, you know, 20 years later, you come back and you see all your friends again. And, you know, we did the new Leap to Beaver and we did that for uh, quite a few years. There's, I think, a, about 100 episodes of that. And it was just really fun, and it was interesting to be able to move up and play the Hugh Beaumont or the Ward part. And, you know, we got new kids, and they were just as mischievous, mischievous as the beaver. So it was really fun to be able to see. It was like a reunion, and it went on for six years. So, you know, it was fun to be around people that I'd known as a child, and now I had moved into a, a different realm because I was an adult, but it was still fun to work like that. So you, Beaumont, directed several episodes of Leave it to Beaver. You get to direct some of the episodes of the new Leave it to Beaver, including Family Scrapbook 2, which was an homage to the Family Scrapbook finale of the original Leave it to Beaver series in 1963. I have to imagine that all of that is one of those unbelievable full-circle moments. You know, so first of all, walk me through the range of emotions of doing that. And secondly, during that, at any point when you were directing, do you hear you Beaumont's voice in your head as well, you know, the way he would have done it? Well, very definitely, because he did. He worked out on Leave to Beaver as a father, but he was also, he directed some of the original Leave to Beavers. So you always kind of, I, I always did, watch the directors and, you know, learn certain things. And so... For me to be able to go on and direct, you know, I was in the catbird seat because I knew the different kinds of shots, that there were two shots over the shoulders, this, that, and the other, and what the coverage would be. Now, we shot every episode in one week. We rehearsed on Monday and just read the script. Tuesday, we blocked it. The next three days, we shot it. But that was a lot to shoot in three days, especially. And in the new league, when I directed, we were working with kids. Kids can only work eight to five or nine to six. So you have to a lot of times, and it's very tough on the adults, which I learned when we did the new Leave to Beaver. They wouldn't do their close-ups, and they'd be in different rooms and things, and they might be there till 9 or 10 o'clock because they had to move everything back and then do a couple of close-ups on them, which would have taken, you know, 20 or 30 minutes if we'd have done them, if they, and they hadn't had the time restraints of knowing that we were leaving at 6 o'clock because those welfare workers walked right on. They were also our teachers and said, sorry, it's 6 o'clock or 5 o'clock. They're going home, even if we're in the middle of a scene and they'd had it all lit. Yeah, I know the one where you ran away and they wanted it to be dark. At, you know, when you ran away, the, you had to push back the start of shooting that day. So a lot of different rules back in the day for sure. Um, so we also have a chat room that goes along with the show while, while we're live. And someone just wanted to know, uh, what was it like being on the dating game? Oh, that was fun. I mean, it was, you know, uh, it was a big show at the time. Um, I was single. 
Uh, the only, and I must admit it was kind of a bad thing, it wasn't bad, but it was uh, the girl turned out to be, uh, she looked very sophisticated, but she was only seven, 16 years old. Oh, no. And she had told them that, you know, she was, I think, 21 or 18. I forget what there was. So, um, you know, they had to send two different chaperones with us, one that had to be with her the whole time, because once that had aired, um, because of what some kind of rules they had, they had to send her. But uh, so it was a very different day, I understand, that a lot of the people had, because, you know, I was quite a bit older. I was, I think, 18 at the time. So it wasn't uh, exactly the kind of date. I expected she was very nice. Um, she lived a long, long, she lived in the L.A. area, but a long way away from me. So I never really, you know, ever took her out after I, you know, she called. I called her every once in a while, wished her a Merry Christmas or on her birthday for a couple of years. But uh, it was a lot of fun. I mean, I got to see Europe. And I, because I was uh, over 18 at the time, took another month and went all through not only England for two weeks with them, but the rest of the month I went all over Europe uh, by myself, which was a lot of fun. So, you know, for each of us have our own favorite Leave it to Beaver episodes. Do you have a particular one that is your favorite? Not, not just one. There's just so many. But, you know, I'll, I'll tell you why. Some of them, there were different people on, you know, the teachers, the different characters, Gus the Fireman, and, <laughs> you know, all these different people. And when I see one of those, it, it brings back good memories. We had a lot of all the animals that we had on. I can remember all the different stories of, you know, things getting away. And we had one where we had exotic cats. Um, Beaver finds a cat. Well, they got these cats that were show cats, and they weren't used to being around people. And one of them got away. And they had to shut the, the stage for two days until they could find it. They were very, not afraid, but there were, you know, a lot of mice and things at the studio or there. And this guy who had, who owned it was so afraid that his cat might get, have to have a rat or, you know, get in a fight with a mouse. And I'm thinking it's a cat. But I mean, this was a show cat. <laughs> well, so you had mules. Yeah, you, you had everything on that show for sure. Um, where right now? I mean, people can still get Leave It to Beaver merchandise at your website, correct? Right, um, very definitely. So it's Jerry Mathers um, Beaver Merchandise dot com uh, merch m e r c h dot com. I have T-shirts um, printed on which has a, a printed autograph on it. Green hats with the embroidered with my embroidered signature. Um, a pin that says Beaver for President. I don't know if I'd want to be president or not, but it has my picture on it. And a hat that's Beaver for President. So just a lot of kind of fun things that, you know, if people would want to want, want to get one, um, you know, especially the T-shirts, they're fun to wear to the beach or whatever. So, you know, it's, it's been a great run and a lot of fun. And people are always saying, I wish I had something from the show. Well, there's really not anything, you know. They said, well, did you keep your lunchbox? Did you keep hmm. No, those are all props. But this is just something that people can have. Um, and the hat is the exact same color. Most people don't know this because it was in black and white, but the hat was really green. So the hat is exactly like the hat I wore on the beaver, except it has my name, Jerry Mathers, and the beaver under it. And uh, so it's, it's just a lot of fun, and it gives people, and they come up a lot of times when I do autograph shows, they've already got it um, from the website, and they'll come up and I'll sign it for them. It's already signed, but I'll sign it for them again. Yeah, I have to tell you, during this pandemic, we also, um, during the week, we did a, a show with a, um, 
a memorabilia store here in New York, and we also toured different people's you know, collections. And there's one collector up in upstate New York actually has something that I, I was dying for. He's actually got a Jerry Mathers, Tony Dow autographed baseball. And I just thought that was the coolest thing. I said, that's the one thing you know, I need to somehow get in my collection. But uh, I just want to thank you so much for your time tonight. And, and more importantly, thanks uh, for what you and the show meant to my childhood. And like I said, and what it, it brings now, it, it really is comforting when I watch it in the morning and it just brings me back to a simpler time and, and maybe a better time. I, I think the values that that show instills, and it still works today. You know, if I can only, my, my kids are adults, but, um, you know, they won't watch anything in black and white. But, but the stories and even, you know, teachable moments in that show, um, I don't think we have shows like that anymore. And, and I think maybe if we did, we'd probably be in a little better and kinder spot than we are today, but um, I, I just want to thank you for what you meant for my childhood individually. Well, you know what? I had more fun doing it than you had watching it, so it was just a treat, and I made friends all around the world. It needed to be replaced in about 60 languages, so I get people that come up and start speaking to me in a, a foreign language, and I say, I'm sorry, I don't speak whatever you're speaking, <laughs> but it was dubbed. But it's just a, a great way to meet people, and it, it was a fun time. It was something that I'm very proud of, and uh, it just couldn't have worked out better for me. Jerry, thanks so much, and uh, we hope people head to the, the merch uh, website and pick up some Leave it to Beaver merchandise. Thanks so much. Oh, my pleasure, Mark. Thank you. You got it. Jerry Mathers as the Beaver.